when I was working at the bank, I didn't set an alarm. I just got up when I got up and because I had that kind of freedom. Now that I've got the freedom and I'm doing what I'm passionate about, I get up at 5.30 every morning. This is the naked truth about real estate investing. Your host, Javier, has already been through all the brain damage of this business, so you don't have to go through it. That way, you're not exposed to all of the risk of losing your shirt or getting caught with your pants down. So let's dive into another no BS episode right now. Hello, everybody. This is Javier Enojo, your host of The Naked Truth about real estate investing. And today, I have David Benson out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, he's actually a, a part of a mastermind that I'm also involved, and that's how we connected. Uh, he's got a pretty cool story. Uh, we're about two and a half hours away from each other, but um, just a few months ago, he was uh, corporate America, and he decided to take that leap of faith and burn the bridges and, and just go full-time into investing, and, and we'll have him talk about that a little bit. So uh, David, I appreciate you being on the show. Um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, first off, I appreciate you having me. And like you said, I was 25 years in corporate America doing banking and enjoyed that for many years. And it was very, you know, very lucrative. They took very good care of me and thought I enjoyed doing that. But I always kind of had a passion for real estate. So always wanted to, to get into the flipping and the, the, uh, the buy and hold. I knew in banking that I wasn't creating any residual. And the longer I stayed in banking, the more I could tell it was becoming more and more of a transactional business, just lending and, and, and where's, the next, uh, where's the next loan coming from. So the plan was always to, to get out. Fortunately, I had Tim and a lot of these guys in the mastermind that we're a part of kind of push and say, hey, listen, you're going to, it's time to burn the bridges. And uh, so I think I needed that push. I think I needed that little, you know, because we got our little safety a little yeah, safety. Sure. Yeah, right. That, that paycheck you get every two weeks is nice, oh, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one thing that, that I think you said or, or, or someone else that I spoke with is like, or I think Tim said it at the last mastermind. He was like, how many people in here, raise your hand, are glad or, or would go back or wish they had done it sooner? And it was universal across everybody. Everybody was like, no, like if you had known what you know now, you would have jumped out sooner. And I think the timing was right for me. But it is interesting, you know, retrospect is 2020, how many deals have kind of come across my desk when it's all that I do. So yeah, it's like hitting the yeah. fast forward button, I feel like. For sure. And I know part of the mastermind is like everybody, you know, whoever joins the mastermind, like it's like a rule. You can't have another job. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's what so When you joined, I'm like, man, he's still in banking. Like, I thought the rule was like, you can't have a job. And like, yeah, sure enough, like, you know, within three months, you're like, all right, guys, I'm done. You know, like I'm yeah. cutting. So, so let's talk a little bit about that, right? We'll talk a little bit about, you know, you working and doing real estate on the side, you know, what was it good to bad? Was there a cost of, you know, opportunity cost? You say you had that safety. Would you talk a little bit about when you had your job full-time, how do you balance that? And, and, and what did you do? Like, where did you grow to for how long? So it started, you know, so I've been in this game for about 17 years now. And, and it started back when I've always been in banking, you know, as soon as I kind of got out of school, you know, I got that education and, and floundered around a little bit until I could land a, a real solid $19,000 a year banking job, you know, thought I had arrived because it was honestly probably the most money I'd ever made. But I knew that, you know, so I bought that first house that I was living in and I knew that I needed to create, I think I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, which I think is the uh, catalyst for a lot of people that have, have gotten in the real yeah. estate business. So I read that book and I was like, I know I got to do something else. So the first house I had was, was actually my original 
first home that I ever had. I moved out and rented that uh, initial little three bedroom, two and a half bath kind of starter home and used that home to it, the cash flow from that home to offset the payment on the new bigger home. That was a kind of an aha moment where I was like, you know what? This could work because yeah, I, I could have this bigger that. house yep. and have somebody else kind of supplement it, so to speak. I had bought a, a subway. So I had a subway franchise for about six years. So I was kind of used to burning the candles, you know, because I was working subway at night, work at the bank during the day. And so, you know, the real estate game was actually, actually, I got into the real estate game while I had the subway as well. But I knew I didn't want to do that because slinging subs is my worst day in real estate. It's better than <laughs> trying to cover those margins. Sure. Uh, so I sold that. But just trying to balance, and, and the other thing too is in learning this about myself is I'm kind of a control freak. Like I want to, I want to control everything, and so having the bank and then also managing the properties because I went from from one property to it started to grow, and and what I was doing was um, just buying and holding. So I was doing single family homes, I'd buy them, fix them up, and then you know rent them back out. Uh, so I was managing those. And I got up to about 25 houses before I figured it out that, hey, I need to, I need to turn this over to a management company. And, and really and truly, Javier, that was probably, I mean, you, you know as well as I do that you have these little like, like chapters, you know, in your career or whatever. Yeah. And when you made, you know, good decisions or bad decisions, and then it, it kind of opened up a whole nother aspect of it. So when I turned that management over to management company, and it really freed me up to actually have family life, you know, a yeah. little bit. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, like, what was the holdback? Like, what was holding you back? I mean, maybe it was they paying that fee or, and uh, what was the holdback? And then once you actually did it, like, did your worst fears come true? Um, the holdback was just, yeah, that money. I didn't want to have to pay somebody, whatever it was, 10%. And, and were they going to take care of it? Like I was going to take care of it. And and could I trust them? You know, could I trust them to to get the, you know, keep the cash flow going? So the holdback was, yeah, probably just control and the cost. I'm pretty cheap by nature, so I want to uh, because I was thinking, you know, I could get that money and then roll it into another property. That was always the, you know, that was always. You were burning. You you were just working all the time as well, right? Taking all those calls and. Yeah, I mean, it definitely put a toll on my family life. So. Working, working the bank job, which they required a lot as I kind of climbed the corporate ladder and then also having the, you know, the real estate, it was all I did. So between the two of them, now the real estate was fun and it was my passion. So it doesn't, didn't feel like work as much as the bank job did, but I also was, was kind of climbing that ladder as well and doing really well. And, and then just keeping that, um, what do they call it? Like the golden parachute or something like that. The golden yeah. ring always out there. Yeah. Because that was the stable money. That was what was paying the bills. So it made sense at the time. All right. So talk to me a little bit about um, how many houses you had before you made the transition from um, your full-time job to just say, hey, I'm just going to be you know, full-time. What did that look for you? Or did you plan that ahead of time? Or did you kind of know, had an idea what, what you wanted to get before you made that transition? I know there's some folks in the audience that are like, hey, should I do this? Should I do that? You know, should I move over? Right. Let me hear what David has to say. So... There were a couple things. There were a couple catalysts, you know. So I had at the time, I think I just crested like a hundred. So a hundred single family homes. I have the the like I have a little retail shopping center. 
And so the cash flow, I just, again, in like 16 years, I hadn't ever lived on that cash flow. So that's the big mystery out there. And there's just, there just is a security of knowing you're getting that W-2. There's always that fear of, oh gosh, your insurance is going to be a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks a month, which that was the biggest lie. But really the, so having to step out of that, I really had to, I really focused in 2000, I think it was 19 in just saving, just squirreling money away because I was like, okay. I was kind of Dave Ramsey, you know, like I got to have six months worth of payments set aside in cash and I got to have all this money set aside, what I call the war chest for if something happens with the real estate, you know, I can, I can cover those bills. So for me, and this may not be for everybody, but I'm, I tend to be a little more less risk averse. So I want to make sure that I've got a big nest egg. So the other catalyst that kind of put me over the edge. So if anybody's watching this and they kind of need to, you know, need that push, I looked at it and I was like, this is what's exciting. With real estate, you know, we've got the cash flow. So the cash flow is going up, 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 you know, as rents go up, that type thing. But the other thing that's cool, I don't ever want to count on appreciation because that may or may not happen. And yay, we're experiencing a lot of that right now, but who knows? But the principal reduction, so the principal reduction is going, what you owe is going down, 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 down. But your cash flow is going up, 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 up. So here's what I figured out. And this is where my banker mind was like, okay, I got this. When I figured out that my cash flow, my, my net expenses that were going out to pay the bills, feed the kids, pay for the car, blah, 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 which by the way, the business pays for. <laughs> when that's going out, so let's just for easy numbers, let's say that's 10 grand a month and your principal reduction is 12 grand a month. Okay. If you've got enough nest egg set aside over here to say, get you through the next five years, let's just say, then you refinance, right? And you take that money that you pulled, that you've, that has grown essentially a forced savings account. You take it back out. Without appreciation, right? That's just straight up mortgage pay down. Yeah. Just mortgage pay down. So properties go up, properties go down, whatever. If that balance is there in five years, 10 years, whatever your savings account is, you go back in, take that back out. Boom, now you're squared, you're, you're squared up again. In theory, it's infinite. Yeah. So when I got to a point where I was like, okay, the principal reduction is more than my expenses. As long as I keep that in check, I'll never run out of money. Yeah. So that's freedom. <laughs> so, you know, now you need, you can't do it six months, right? You can't, you got to have a, you know, a buffer. But yeah, when I discovered that freedom and I was like, wait, that could potentially be limitless. I was like, why, why am I working here? You yeah. know, anymore is sure. That was great. That was, that was like, again, an aha, aha moment. So tell me the, the biggest difference, right? From uh, a year ago when you had the, the full-time job and, and now that you're full-time investing, like what, what's the biggest thing you noticed? Like right off the bat, what's the number one thing you noticed? Just freedom. You know what? The biggest thing, just brass tacks, not in the back of my mind, having that boss. Now I've had great bosses. You know, my bosses have been good. They've always, I shouldn't say always, but in most of my career, I've had people that are kind of had my back, were looking out for me, honestly. But here's how it goes. You say, hey, boss, I need to take a week vacation. I'm going to go down to this mastermind down in Charleston, whatever it is. They're going to say yes, because you're at the level at the bank where they can't really say no, because you're kind of 
that you're right, let's say. But in the back of your mind, you're like, I'm asking one. Two, when I get back, all that work's still going to be there. And three, quite honestly, I'm inconveniencing other people, which that may not bother everybody, but it kind of bothered me that my boss was going to have to cover for me or I was going to have to have a coworker cover for me, that type thing. So I was still kind of, even though I had some freedom at work, you still got those kind of shackles that are like, I'm going to have 400 emails when I get back. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You say is that boss on kind of like the boss and just asking for permission. What yeah. about what about your uh, like your deal flow? Did you notice anything on your deal flow Did that changed oh, yeah. at all? Now the fact that you're kind of you're putting more time and energy in it. You know the funny thing is the deal flow has picked up, but I want to share one other thing that's that's kind of weird. When I and this is fairly new. I mean, this was just February, so we're talking yep. six months. Yep. <laughs> when I was working at the bank, I didn't set an alarm. I just got up when I got up. And because I had that kind of freedom. Now that I've got the freedom and I'm doing what I'm passionate about, I get up at 5.30 every morning. So my wife's like, when you do what you're passionate about, it's not really work. And it's not hard to get up and just get going because it's fun. You know, the deal flow when I was a hundred, now that I'm kind of a hundred percent looking at, at deals, right. And, and hunting down deals and figuring things out and, and running spreadsheets, which is what I love to do, you just notice a lot more. And it just makes sense. If you're dedicating five hours a week to something versus 30 hours a week, it makes sense that you're going to be 600% more efficient yeah. and, and have a lot more opportunities come across your way. For sure. So talk about those opportunities. Um, what is the best deal finding method that you like? What's your favorite right now? You know, and again, I'm learning a lot from the mastermind and learning a lot from yourself and, you know, some of the other guys in the group, but the putting, putting myself out there, letting people know that, Hey, David's looking to buy properties. And, and I'm trying to, I'm kind of getting away from the onesie twosie kind of investment properties. I'm trying to buy packages. So I want to be the package of 23 guy. You know, I've got a package of single family homes. There's 25 of them. Do you want to buy it? So I'm trying to kind of scale it. As I transition into multifamily, I've got a, so the ones that have kind of come across, of course, you don't get everything and, and you I take a swing at most anything that kind of meets my criteria. But right now, just to give you an example, we've got, I've got my that package of, uh, it's a 20, package of 20 single family homes that we're looking to close. We're under contract. So we've got four deals we're under contract with, a package of 20 homes, a package of 12 single family homes, a package of three. And then that I'm super excited about that um, 24 door apartment complex. Cool. Um, I'm not landing the, the big whales like you are, but, uh, but you got to start you know, somewhere when it comes to kind of transitioning. But I like what you did in terms of transitioning from the single family game into the multifamily, because it just, the more I learn, the less scary it is and the more scalable it is. Yeah, for sure. Well, I didn't really think about it much. I just just hit me in the middle of a meeting, the mastermind, like, yep, I don't want to do this no more. Honey, we're not doing this no more. We're quitting today. Like, okay. You know, I was like, yeah, I didn't find it out very well, <laughs> but it's worked out okay. You know, it's worked yeah, out okay. I probably thought about it, put a plan together, but that's not me. Yeah. Definitely not me. So, yeah, I mean, for sure, man. I mean, congrats, right? I mean, you're, you had a job six months ago and now you have, you know, 50, 60 
doors on a contract. You know, just the way it multiplies. It's funny how you just start, start telling everybody that what you're doing now and you're buying him the package guy, right? I'm, I'm the guy buying packages of homes. Yeah. This is going to happen. People are going to bring you like five, 10, 20, 30. That's just the way it goes. I mean, it's, it's strange how that, how that works, but it's honestly not that hard. I tell people all the time, you know, the power of masterminds, the last three deals that I bought, I've been through a mastermind. I actually had two more deals come to my desk here the last couple of days that look, they look decent from another guy that I met from my other mastermind, right? So it's crazy. I mean, you guys got to network, you got to join some masterminds, you know, get around uh, like-minded people. If you want to yeah. buy packages of houses, go hang out with David, you know, yeah. you want to buy whatever heck you want to buy, right? You want to buy farms, go, go hang out with people that buy farms. And that's probably what you're going to end up doing. Well, uh, it, it expands your mind too. Like it, you know, what I'm from a small town in Clinton, South Carolina, you know, so, so when I was growing up in that little small town broke, the, the richest person in that town was probably a banker, quite honestly, or maybe the, the person that was high up in the plant or something like that. But you get around other people. Like if you move from, from small town, South Carolina to Charlotte, you know, your mind just expands. You've moved from Charlotte to maybe Manhattan, your mind just expands. So it's like, it's getting around other people that are like, oh, wait, that guy for real? Like, like really and truly, that dude bought a Ferrari? That actually happens, you know? Yeah, yeah. the first time you met me, you're like, man, have you ever bought all these apartments? Like, damn, if he can do it. <laughs> you know? it's, honestly, that's what happened to me. I'm like, I meet yeah. these guys that I've seen, right, in the past, like, man, these guys are killing it. And then I go out yeah. drinking with them. I'm like, yeah, they're just normal dudes, you know? They're just, they're just like me. They're just like you. They're just and uh, somebody's got to do it. So why, why not us? Talk yeah. about that all the time. So I'm going to ask you this question. I ask all my guests, what is the biggest mistake that you've made in real estate? So the biggest mistake was probably, I'm going to give you two. So the biggest mistake is, is just not pulling the trigger sooner, you know, okay. in retrospect. Yeah. That's, that's, I know that now. The biggest mistake deal was, and, and this may be helpful for somebody that's watching it, was never, ever buy a house with someone without a lease, without a signed lease in your hand at closing. So I bought a house. I mean, this is a couple of years ago, but I, I bought a house for five grand, right? It's like 2000 square foot house, five grand. Like I could not lose. There was no way. And it needed some work, which I was cool with that. No, not a problem. But I got the, you know, I had a lady in there and uh, I said, you know what? We're going to fix this thing up and then you can lease it back or, you know, you can whatever. And so we're going to fix it up and we're, we're going to change the world. So she was in there. She didn't have a lease and we closed and I go to her and she's like, hey, you know, I don't have a job. I don't have anything. So one of my other tenants worked down the road and he was like a supervisor and it was like a dairy plant or something like that. And I said, hey, would you mind, you know, I'm going to hook this lady up and do a good deed. Would you mind interviewing her? So I called her up and I said, hey. You know, got you an interview down the road, but you can literally walk to it. It's like 200 yards. And she's like, you know, Dave, I'm just so busy. I just got so many things going on. And that was the red flag. I was like, oh boy, this is not something ain't right here. So, so what ended up happening, kind of fast forward without a lease, I go into the magistrate. Of course, she didn't pay for like six months. I go into the magistrate. They aren't going to kick her out, right? Where's your lease? Got nothing. And turns out that I ended up hiring an attorney. The DA wouldn't hear it. He kept throwing it out. It was too busy to, to put that in front of the judge. Javier, I could not, literally, I could not get this lady out. She could have stayed in there for 20 years. She had 
worked the system to where she wasn't even, she hadn't paid power in like 18 months, but they couldn't cut her power off because of all the, you know, litigation and blah, blah, blah. So she was just working the system. So I ended up, long story short, sold that house for 3,600 bucks <laughs> and was so happy to lose $1,400 just to get, to be done with it in just the amount of time that it took. But the education that it gave me, if anybody's watching this, that could have been a hundred thousand dollar lesson. Fortunately, it was only about a, you know, three thousand. Yeah, I've, I've learned a few of those, man. That that hurts. Yeah, yeah. So get a lease. Do not buy anything. I don't care if it's the Biltmore House. Don't. <laughs> if somebody lives there, guys, just sign something. Just on a napkin, get it signed. Hey, I rent for this. Blah blah blah. That'll get them out. But outside of that, it's, yeah. it's interesting. That's an interesting story, man. For and for five grand, right? Sometimes you're like, I got a great deal. <laughs> the cheapest house I've ever bought and probably, I wouldn't say the most costly house I've ever bought, but, but a good lesson for, for what it was. Wow. Well, I appreciate that. Appreciate you sharing that. And uh, David, it brings me to the next uh, part of the show, which I'm going to do the naked roulette. There's going to be three random questions. It's Ooh. the naked truth roulette. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you the rated, rated G version. Okay. It's because I like it. <laughs> Okay. All right. Let's see. Here goes. So let's find out. Uh, High tech here. Let's, let's see. Uh, David here has got nothing to do with real estate. Just some random questions that I put together. All right. Be careful. You might get the truth. All right. Oh. All right. Favorite quote. Favorite quote. Oh, I wish I could show you. I got a poster in my theater room that, that's Braveheart. I'm sure I should probably quote the Bible, but we're going to go with the first thing that came to mind. Uh, and it's the Braveheart quote, which is all... I'll mess it up. Let's see. All men die, but not all men truly live. I think that's how it goes. So we're, all men we're, die, but not all men truly live. Yep. Sounds about yeah, right. yeah, yeah. We're going to go with Mel Gibson on that one. That's, that's cool. a good one. That's a great quote. Great quote. All right, let's go. Question number two for David. Let's see, uh, let's see what this roulette has, us, has for us. All right. If you could take any celebrity on a romantic date, who would it be? Smokes. Um, Come on, David. Uh... Who's that? The, okay, this is just the first one that pops in mind. Okay. It doesn't matter. Yeah, dead or alive? It doesn't it's matter. It's Olivia Wilde, I think is her name. What does she do? She did. She was in, um, I couldn't even tell you. Maybe she's on Grey's Anatomy or something like that. Okay. Really, really beautiful celebrity. But yeah, my All wife. Right. Okay, well, that's the when, when I answered this question, I had like five top of my head. Bam, 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 bam. I was fast. Like, I already knew. Had oh, you already knew. Okay, so oh, who'd you pick? Who'd you pick? Oh, man, I, I picked like, uh, like Scarlett Johansson, Jessica Alba. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Wonder Woman lady. I forget her oh, name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good one. Yeah, anyways. Yeah, Olivia Wilde. Yeah, you'll have to Google that one. Google that one. I think yeah. you'll. Yeah, yeah. Man, I was ready to roll. All right. <laughs> let's go. Last question for David. That's a good, good sport, man. I, I, won't, I won't share this with your wife. <laughs> okay. All right. What is the most embarrassing thing you've ever worn? Okay. All right. So yeah, this is going to date me, but you remember, I don't know if you remember, but back in the eighties, all of those bad eighties movies, you know, where the guys had the polo shirts with the pop collar. Okay. So I, this is embarrassing, but like, I literally thought I was that guy. Like I, I went to school with the pop collar polo shirt and the matching socks. That's I mean, how about like a little bit of a little bit baggy pants, baggy pants or jeans? No, no, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I wasn't. I wasn't feeling the baggy pants. You wore jeans. Uh -huh. It was probably the jeans, probably like the acid washed, you know, yeah. 
just I faded. Light, light colored, yeah, a little faded. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but the pop. And I, I picture you right now, man, with the hair and the color yeah. just sitting there. Get your get your staff to like do a like a superimpose with the um, with the pop collar from. Uh, oh, that'd be like a Breakfast Club or yeah, one Breakfast of the Club or, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, but if it was a if it was a yellow shirt, like I'm talking like a canary yellow shirt, I had the canary yellow socks. Nice. Yes. It was what bad. color shoes white back then yeah. man i wore some bobos so i okay. there's no telling there's man david you survived the naked truth roulette so here i am with my pop collar dating olivia wilde with uh i don't remember what the other question was but oh, your favorite quote oh man yeah oh, my favorite quote and there you go all about the clothes and the date man that's all you remembered who cares about <laughs> that every man dies but if not every man truth dies. who cares about that you know that's right that's right talk about your canary yellow shirt and <laughs> and, uh, pretty girl from a show. There you go. That's right. That's right. I had uh, no chance with her with that uh, outfit, but you know. There you go. Whatever. Awesome. Hey, man. So, how can people get a hold of you? They want to reach out to you. If they're, they're local to the market. Maybe they got a package of twenty houses. They may want to sell you. I'm on Facebook. I'm exploring TikTok, so I'm all over that too. That's fun. David Benson one, the number one at hotmail.com is usually uh, yeah. I said cool. hotmail. So, cool, guys, if you're around Charlotte, you want to you want to connect. Uh, uh, David's around. He's uh, he'd be more than happy to connect with you guys. Um, and if you got some deals that you want to get rid of, he'd definitely buy them. So he's a buyer. Super proud of him. I mean, I know when he first reached out before, I think he joined the mastermind. I think we might have had a chat a couple of times. Yeah. And then um, you joined the mastermind, and then uh, after that, man, you're quitting your job and just move forward. And uh, I know it's going to be, you know, you're going to accomplish what you did in 17 years with part time. And I guarantee you're going to knock it out like fast. I, I say within the first. Year or two, you're, you're going to double everything you've done, man. It's going to, it's going to be insane. Trust me. It's exciting, exciting. I Trust just got to get around. I got to get around you more. You know, just oh, get man, some just, of that, just uh, keep, hang, hang, keep hanging out. Right. I, I have one of my favorite quotes: "Is uh, hang out with winners, so your wins don't sound like you're bragging." Right. There you go. So you go to these uh, events, masterminds, you know, things like that, and it just it blows your mind. Right. It, it, it builds your belief. So, um, and I would say, Absolutely. hey, that's what it takes. Right. Step number one: you got to believe. So. That's right. Uh, David, man, I appreciate you being on the podcast. Best best to you. And uh, I can't wait to see you in the next mastermind or just sometime around here in North Carolina. We're only two and a half hours away. Yep. Um, yep I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Javier. Uh, I'm Javier Hinojo, your host. Don't lose your shirt. Time consuming. It can be very scary. It can be like a, trying to get somewhere without a roadmap. So that's why I created this due diligence list when I buy a property. I'm going to buy an apartment building or even a mobile home park. You can use it for mostly pretty much any commercial property. But this one specifically is for a multifamily. It could be a six unit. It could be a 600 unit. You can use it for what you like. So go ahead and sign up, put your name, email. I'll send you the free link to my due diligence. This is what I've used to buy hundreds and hundreds of units, if not thousands of units. So sign up, you'll get my link. Uh, you get an Excel sheet as well. And also we use the software project management software monday.com feel free to sign up for a free trial i do have an affiliate link you don't pay any extra they just pay me a small fee don't have to use it you have the excel spreadsheet but if you use monday.com it's actually a lot better a lot smoother a lot prettier and you can do a whole bunch of other stuff there's even a video there i created in the link so check the link sign up and this is my giveaway for you guys thank you so much Take care. This has been The Naked Truth. Our mission is to give it to you raw. If you got value from this episode, you're invited to leave an honest written review and share this episode with a friend. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode. 